lot of uh, indigenous families, they recognize, you know, what, what, you know, people call first cousins as their brother and sister. So he's, he's definitely like a, a brother to me, especially that because I, you know, only have a, a, a sister from my, my mom. So all my first cousins are like brothers and sisters to me. So yeah, that's, that's my, he's, he's a little bit younger than me, but not by much. So he's my brother. I can't, I can't get away with saying a uh, little because he's bigger than me. Younger. Yeah. He's younger, but I can't get away with saying little cousin, but he's, yeah, that's one of my, my good, good cousin brothers. Yes. And he's a singer too. He's definitely a singer. He's a singer. Uh, that, that's his nickname in the group chat is, uh, his jammer from the slammer. But, you know, you, you could say that about some of the songs that he makes, too. We call them, you know, jammers. So how long is he in there for? He has a knack for, for getting back in there. I should say that <laughs> um, uh, he, he just, you know, he he's trying to get right. So, you know, however many times it takes for him to, I guess, is, is but, um, you know, just a constant reminder of how how real life is, you know, for for a lot of indigenous uh native men and um you know we always you know give that hardship to our women you know and which is indirect but i know in time that you know people will will realize what what they're doing to themselves and to their families and um yeah he's still he's still my cousin he's still my one of my good brothers and uh the reason maybe why we, we chose to uh, put that in there was kind of, uh, you know, for a number one, Broder loved it. Um, he just thought it was just so, you know, in your face, like very matter of fact. Um, but he, he, he also asked me about it, like how you were, you know, is he in there right now? Is he, you know, what is he, what's he in there for? That type of thing. Um, but more of, for, uh, for me, it was, you know, I had to learn songs that way sometimes. And it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, no one's fault or, you know, at the time I'm just like, you know, I'm trying to find something to, to, to get it down on. So, you know, I'm holding the uh, recorder to a phone or, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember it. So there's, there's that aspect of it for me. Um, that's why I kind of added it to the, um, the sample bank that we, that, uh, we collected, uh, through my archives and stuff like that. And, uh, that was one that jumped out to Broder. He actually really likes the very end of it where he's just like, all right, cool. That's it. You know, but then, you know, he's actually locked up at the time. And, um, you know, he just, he just sang that one kind of, you know, minute kind of thing. And he's like, you know, Hey man, you know, can you get this down? But, you know, I did tell him that I did want to use him singing from inside for the album and, you know, I had to get his permission and everything. But yeah, it it was just like, you know, one of our phone conversations, just like a regular conversation. And I've learned many songs over, you know, jail time phone calls. So and 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 to uh Broder and, and I's love for for hip hop and things like that, you know, we remember the the guys, you know, rapping bars from from the cell. So and, and we wanted to kind of make the make the indigenous introduction. I'm not trying to glorify incarceration and stuff like that, but you know, that's just, that's just my life as a singer. 
when you say you learned a lot of songs that way, you're not talking specifically about him. You you just mean generally that a lot of the people or the, a lot of the men in your life. Yes. He has older brothers who are just as naughty. So they've, they've spent their time, you know, behind bars. And, you know, I've been the one, you know, always, always here on the outside. Um, they're my cousins. Uh, I do live in Wisconsin and um, my brother's, sister my aunt moved to uh turtle lake wisconsin and had many boys and some girls up there and uh they they uh, made their way to the powwow circle through you know song and dance they had a drum group some of them danced when they were younger so um you know it wasn't i wasn't around them a lot because they lived in wisconsin but um as i moved here became a lot closer with them so i would get associated with being uh, one of the naughty brothers, but I'm, I, I'm a behaving cousin, I assure you. <laughs> we talk a lot about the idea of arts, but music specifically saving people's lives, you know, of, of keeping, you know, and you mentioned hip hop culture. And, and I think for a lot of MCs coming up, it was precisely that something that you could put your, you know, time and energy and creativity into. And that kept them out of the system for you specifically being involved in the powwows, do you feel like that's something that has kept you from going down a darker path? I attribute a lot of that to my mother, keeping me busy with all the, the urban city programs, the youth programs that there were. Uh, she kept me involved in the Minneapolis uh, youth indigenous communities. Um, there were some teachers at the time who well, I feel very gracious and, you know, very humble to growing up in a time where there were really, really important teachers in the neighborhood and the school systems that were taking the time and to teach, you know, just these powwow songs to, to, uh, to, to the youth. And, you know, what I took from that was, you know, this, this could be a tool, you know, I can have in my bag to, to really kind of find some sort of cultural identity um, it certainly scratches the surface. Uh, powwow is not anything too deep culturally. It, it is a lot of fun. It's 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 usually main, uh, mainly used for you know social gatherings, uh, bringing bringing people together and really kind of just uh, uh, enjoying the the gifts of life. You know, watching your watching your your, your kids or your you know your, your younger younger siblings or relatives out there enjoying themselves and. For the most part, you know, singing for me did keep me out the streets. And I really, you know, thank my, my mother for that. Uh, my sister, uh, a lot of my, my older uh, role models who, you know, who knew who I were or knew who I was. And, uh, you know, they, they, they kind of, you know, kept a good path for me and, uh, you know, looked out for me. So 100% singing, you know, had, it, had its way in my life to where it kept me busy along with the a basketball, a baseball, a football, you know, anything like that, anything like that, you know. So if my mom kept me busy and, you know, she had her ways of shelter, had her ways of sheltering me, but, you know, that's okay. You know, as a parent, I understand 100 percent. That's just like, just like that commercial. You can't keep yourself from becoming your parents. You know, so here I, here I am five kids later, you know, so. Hats off to my mom. I love you. It's interesting. You, you said that the powers themselves aren't too cultural, which is very surprising to me because it seems like, I mean, obviously it's very 
tied to a community yes. and tied to that culture and, mm-hmm. and a sense of history there. But what's the disconnect? I won't say there was a disconnect. I think there's something deeper that uh, we all have to understand now as uh, contemporary indigenous people living in these modern times. I guess you could say I won't want to romanticize us being an ancient culture or anything like that. Uh, I just just believe that, you know, we, we do have to strive to know the difference between powwow and ceremony and things like that. There are local ceremonies that happen everywhere local uh, and, you know, d- depending on the tribe, you know, what's going on with them. You know, each tribe is different. Uh, they have their, their, their seasonal ceremonies and things like that. And those are the things that people should really be getting in touch with that they're really kind of looking to respect uh, their own cultural identity and things like that. But um, powwows are for everyone, man. You know, everyone, everyone should, should, should come and enjoy, you know, the powwow feeling and, you know, every, you know, the, you know, the different arts and crafts, vendors of the food and stuff like that. I mean, it's very just like rodeo show like stuff, but I mean, I have an appreciation and a love for the music. And now the music has come from, you know, stemmed from, you know, the forties, you know, to these gatherings that are just random gatherings that these people are just having to have fun. And some of it came from the Wild West, you know, Bill Cody shows and, and stuff like that. You know, there's just a lot of things that adapted over time. And now you have the modern day power, which I think you could more appreciation. You can have a more appreciative mindset towards the art that's involved with it. And that's the singing and the dancing, because, you know, you, you, you set those two things aside. And you look at them for what they are. And they're art forms, man. There are some art forms there. Seriously, and especially in the outfit making and things like that, those are art forms to a lot of the people who revere powwow culture as, you know, as you say, you know, as, you know, connected. The Buffalo Bill thing is interesting because when I think about that, I think about almost the, the idea of, of a culture sort of repackaged of it turned purely into, in a sense, a spectacle. And that's cool. Like, I mean, uh, I, I mean, back then, the pageantry the regency of a lot of stuff was just, you know, pedestalized or just like, there they are. The grand Indians and the grand entry, there they, here they come. You know, that type of thing would be, you know, something to keep up, you know, kind of like as a showtime type of thing. For the most part, I think what came of, you know, the modern day powwow is, you know, the contest money and things like that. Um, there's a difference between, you know, going to a powwow and seeing, you know, contests and you go into a different powwow that you you you'll see little to none and you know there's there's that to differentiate between the two you know what is a contest power and what they call a traditional power but the traditional power is just you know no contest involved although they might be paying the traveling singers and dancers a monetary a gift for for coming and traveling there but for the um you know non-contest powers are strictly about the vibes and you know just being there especially if, if it's your your home not a, not every uh, tribal community has a contest powwow, so for the most part, it might be just your your hometown traditional powwow that you just go and check out and just be a part of, and you know see a lot of friends and family from your home uh, community. I try to not use reservation as a term uh, on purpose be, on purpose because I think that's just us, a terminology that we have to uh, start to avoid and reverse. So I like to just say our our home communities better way of saying that one of the things i was curious about and community is is an interesting term right because it at least theoretically expands beyond a geographical border in in what you would traditionally consider a reservation and i got the sense that you you didn't grow up exactly on the reservation but close to no sir i 
grew up four hours south of my home reservation of Red Lake. So not that close at all. Not that close at all. But once you learn how to drive, then it becomes very closer. Uh, you know, so, so um, you know, there's some some land speed records. I know there's a few that have made the trip from Red Lake to Minneapolis and some uh, uh, illegal times. But um, yeah, uh, I've grew up born and raised South Side of Minneapolis. That's that's me. That's that's where I grew up. You're a city kid. I, I'm a city kid. City kid. Yeah. So uh, I born and raised Minneapolis, Minnesota. You know, all my life. But we did. Uh, visit my my grandma every every summer in Red Bee, Minnesota, right by the water tower. While I was there every summer, you know, going to the uh, the celebrations and the parades that we have up there for our Independence Day, July sixth. Red Lake is is the the true sovereign nation of the of the the whole United States. So we're different. That's just all I could all I could really just explain it. Um, you know, true sovereignty and lies and. Uh, how you you know solidify yourself to uh, an outside governing nation, you know. So I think we solidified that enough to uh, call ourselves one of the only true sovereign nations in the United States. So I'm uh, proud, to, proud, proud to call that place home, even though I grew up four hours south. What does that mean in this context of being sovereign? No boundaries. Although we do recognize our, you know, the, you know, the, the, the boundaries that they, they gave us and things like that. But, you know, our home was the lake. So it's, um, it's what you know. With this project, I knew that it would be different. I knew that it would, you know, set, out, set itself aside from, from everything else, which is, you know, sovereign, being, being a sovereign person, you know, doing, doing your own thing on your own terms and living by it. Yeah, that's that's what had to come of of you know my mentality, you know, releasing this because this was just you know something that was between Broder and myself. I will admit to the fact that I, I don't know that you necessarily would have crossed my radar and that we would have crossed paths and that we would be talking if you hadn't really put yourself out there in this way. I think Broder had his way of uh, really really explaining that to me, uh, but the first thing he did was understand my withdrawals about putting myself outside of my group. You know, I, I am, I am a, a drum group member, if not, you know, one of the leaders now. Um, it never used to be that way. But, you know, as, as things goes, as things, you know, happen and, you know, carry on with life, I'm beginning to be one of the older guys now. So um, to, to really think of myself above the team, I guess I've, I've never had that mindset in my life, but um, Broder quickly exclaimed that it's not what this is. You know, we're, we're, you, uh, you, you did something cool, man. And, and I think people should hear it. And, you know, all that stuff you know, doesn't matter because you know, I know you not to be that way, not that type. You're not that type of guy. And, you know, this is, this is what came of our friendship and just, you know, some, some pen pal stuff, you know, I'll interview a lot of jazz artists or blues artists or hip hop MCs. And the word authenticity often comes up, but it, it means something very different when you're talking about making like authentic jazz music, this is sort of next level, right? You know, the concerns over authenticity are, and I suspect a piece of that is how closely you want to hew to the more traditional sides of things and the music that you've been making and how much you want to explore it and expand outside of that comfort zone. Exactly. Like 
you know, thinking, thinking about what this, what this is or what, you know, was going on in my mind, I guess you could say was that, you know, experimental range of, you know, Hey, let's try this. Or, you know, what does it sound like this or like that? I literally just played, you know, after I got, you know, brothers, you know, permission or i guess you know he jumped on board with the whole thing or he realized or we both kind of had that conversation with like this is what it is i'm not trying to be an indigenous drummer or nothing like that and i just was like i want you to be the broader drummer so when you know i was making this it wasn't really something that was like thought out like Broder says, like like none of this is to the grid. I got to go put this to some kind of a grid. There, I mean, there's no guideline no. for doing a project no. like this. Exactly. So, you know, just the process of, you know, experimenting or really just kind of letting my mind flow from, you know, just what I've already been doing with other artists or, you know, things have been sampled this way or that way. Uh, very few have uh, given me the freedom to kind of place it where, you know, it kind of sounds on beat to me. Um, but I, I, you know, leave that aside to the professionals. So, um, but this time I had full reins and, you know, what I was asking or broader, I made pretty clear, um, with something that I kind of came up with myself, but I knew that he could bring it to life was, you know, just give me some sort of a tempo or what you think, you know, a good pace of, you know, some noises would be. And, you know, I wanted the marijuana death squads loud. I wanted the broader sounds. And, you know, I, I just wanted some, something to, you know, not really a tick, but, you know, something to, to just sing over. And most of those songs on the album are, are, are just me listening and singing. So there's only like one or two of those songs that are actually in song form, I guess you could say in powwow song form. You didn't need a click track necessarily. No, but the, the improv of, of me singing, like all of like, I don't want to say they're freestyles, but, you know, I sat with uh, that that track, you know, for a long time. And then I just I just started singing. There is a very real sense in which it was almost like making a hip hop record. I guess, you know, and he gave you beats and then you played a track over them. And I, you know, one take one take hove, you know, (laughs) you know, that's, that's what I felt like, you know, I. As one of my, I used to listen to the Dynasty at the bus stop endlessly when that came out, and then I figured, then I knew that you know some rappers didn't rap, or they didn't they didn't write down their rhymes. They it was in their it was in their head off the dome. It was in their head, so that you know at a young age I figured that stuff out, and then you know getting, having basketball teams, you know where guys are literally you know freestyling on a on a bus. Um, those are some of my, you know, inspirations early, just being involved in, you know, just the city culture and just this being a, a collaborative person in school, you know, without the music, you know, just having, you know, lots of friends of different races and, you know, just always, always in tune with, with other things that are different. So this, this to me, I guess you could say is, you know, walks that hip hop line, but, you know, just, I, I really wanted just to, wanted to just be in the moment of what he sent me. So whatever came out was, you know, something that I had to quickly remember and repeat. So that was uh, the challenge of it, but he did keep a lot of my vocals that I sent first. The process of making the record is interesting to me because it sounds like maybe before even all of that happened that you just, you sent him a bunch of clips. Is that right? I sent him something that I, 
I was doing in my certificate program for audio and you know, music production and stuff, they uh, had this, you know, the beat making class, you know, as a requisite class, you know, I was not trying to be a beat maker whatsoever. I was just trying to fine tune my mixing skills. So, you know, just taking a class with an open mind, I just was like, this is cool. You know, <laughs> this is fun, you know, but I was, wasn't a beat maker. Uh, but then I kind of had the feeling that we were going to come to the point where there was going to be the world beat. You know, here comes the world beat, you know, and, and then, you know, I'm like, yes, that's me. You know, <laughs> I, they're just they're used to being classified in that corny way. Anyways, it's very funny to be like a indigenous person and be <laughs> classified as a world beat. Right. But I knew it was my time to shine. So um, there's a, there's a certain style of song that I distorted like halfway. Like I just put a really hard limit on it and it just all you heard was it. And I sent it, you know, then half of the song wasn't distorted. It faded into the regular song. And, you know, that was my, my project, whatever. But that, you know, that I said, you know, I sent that distorted sidestep to Broder. And I said, can you give me something like that first half about not the exact tempo, but could you snap that to the grid? He said, probably not. But, you know, I could probably give you the tempo or, you know, try to give you some things that's kind of like that but you know let me think about it first i don't want to be the appropriator guy you know things like that i'll get back to you so then he got back he said that he didn't want to be a cultural appropriator he he was you know very he's a very respectful dude i love oh, brother, love totally. brother to death love brother to death and he's just so conscious of that type of stuff and that was just like he was let me think about it dude tell me more about what you're thinking you know, that type of thing. So, you know, I kind of, you know, talked about the ledge kind of, but I just was like, you know, dude, like, man, I've been doing this for the past, you know, five or six years anyways, just randomly popping up on, you know, different people's stuff. And you know, I think it's time for me to try to nail this myself. You know, this is this, he was down. So after that, he immediately sent me like five or six right off top. And it was just like literally six minutes of just a repetitive loop of just whatever he whatever it was and i just told him that's what I, exactly what i wanted send me six minutes of uh what turned out to be some sort of you know different things that he actually recorded himself and you know looped it somehow to make it you know sound cool yeah like you said like the one that's coming out next week was the very first one that he sent me and yeah man the rest is the rest is that i mean the two of you sounds like were generally travel in, in fairly different circles. How did the two of you cross paths? Eau Claire's Music Festival. Um, the Eau Claire's Music Festival put on by, you know, the Bon Iver family, you know, Justin, Justin Vernon and all those wonderful people who put that festival on. Uh, it was actually from my, my younger brother, Dylan Jennings, another you know, person who I consider a brother is actually my, my adopted brother now through, through the ways. But he had uh, so, uh, a friend that uh got us that that gig i guess you could say um but the, they were really you know adamant about us being there i, I sang with midnight express at the time and uh, we were traveling that summer and uh it was explained to the, the eau claire's crew that you know they would have to compensate us as if we were winning first place so but that was not important to us after i seen the bill but everybody wants to make money you know making i'm stuff. like i'm like okay so who i'm looking up all these people before i even you know show up to the thing and i'm like okay this is going to be cool they were kind of on the fence about it because they were like well you know people usually just don't be like oh okay well here 
Oh, you want, you know, that kind of, you want that, you know, cause like, I mean, we've, we know gigs, some type of gigs, but these, this, you know, this was, you know, a little too good to be true at first, but after I seen who it was, I just was like, you know, we, we got to do this, man. Even when you see that, I think the thing I would fear going into it, going into a music fest of very different kinds of music yes. is you don't want to feel like you're a sideshow or the token. Right. Yeah. I, I, totally agreed with all of that stuff but then i also thought about oh why can't we be alongside of these people why why couldn't we be you know they were asking us not to be just as the uh you know that type of thing we just had to switch up our approach a little bit how'd you switch it up we just took the weekend off and just said you know let's let's just go with it man let's just go with it let's go there as if we're competing let's go there and sing like we're we're trying to get judged and we're we're getting tens every time let's go there and, and sing our toughest our loudest and let's smack them in the face cuz hey we it, let's show them that we do belong up here it wasn't like let's make something more in line with this kind of music no it was just uh, hey you know what we can we, we don't need a we don't need a speaker loud system or nothing we were going to pound the shit out of this dead animal hide and sing as loud as we can in your face and it and if you didn't ever see it before now you've seen it so at first at first it was the it, it was just to be alongside not really inclusion more along the exposure type things but that first interaction with the drum backstage that uh mr mr Vern had you know having conversations with him at that first eau claire really kind of you know shifted my path just a little bit. He seen me with this recorder I have right here. This very same recorder. I record all the time. I'm an archivist. But he seen me with this recording. He just said, hey, man, you record? And I'm like, yeah, man, I have like this really huge archive. And he just like was tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. So he's like, man, that sounds interesting. Can I help you in any way? And I'm just like, you just sat here and asked me, you know, what it was. I didn't, I didn't say, can you, you know, I didn't insinuate that he had to help me. It just, it just was, you know, his nature. And I just said, well, you know, we just can you know, keep in touch and just, you know, maybe we can put this somewhere or, you know, you know, I really just want to go get more and just keep, you know, building onto it and go get all the recordings and records and all this stuff. So that first conversation <clears throat> must have planted a seed in his mind somehow, because then after that, after we went, did the whole festival and everything, we, I quickly realized, or a lot of, you know, a few of us quickly realized what just happened, you know. We just, you know, rubbed, a, rubbed elbows or, you know, just sang our hearts out in front of these, you know, these wonderful musicians that are, are, are just, they're just good people, you know. And, and, it, it, and we did something that was right. And the conversations that, you know, we had at those first Eau Claire's, kind of put us in the rotation of, you know, hey, we're going to keep coming back here. Then we started getting a little bit collaborative or different um, over the years. Different um, musicians or bands would ask, ask us to collaborate on stage or on the little side stages that they would have. One of my favorites was uh, opening for, for Low. And that, and that was in, you know, this little, this little side stage in the woods. And it was you know perfect low vibes it's like oh it was intense but that was like one of my favorite things so then you know i'm starting to think like okay you know i've I've been kind of like a 
music type of person my whole life, but it's all been by ear, you know? So the early years I'm thinking of myself in the back of my mind, like, can this, like, how can this happen? And I think Vernon was thinking, JV was thinking about that too. Like, dang, I want to collaborate, but how, you know, how are we going to do it? And it was, it was very cool. The, the, over the years at Eau Claire's just kind of doing the things with the different artists but then, you know, things just started going in my mind, like, man, I know it could be done like a certain different way, but I didn't know the different way yet, you know? So it was just, you know, the an opening of some sort of like it tapped into some creativity into my mind. I was always there. I just was, you know, too lazy to bring it out, I guess. Not too lazy, but it's, <laughs> I mean, maybe too lazy. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. But also there's just no like... There, there's no there's no rule book there's no instruction book for how to incorporate these things and it's how i suspect like based on that and based on justin vernon seeming like a, a pretty thoughtful guy that he probably had similar if not misgivings uh hesitations as as andrew broder he was just pushing forward the love that he had and that he felt when he first heard what we did in front of his face where he just was very you know emotional and the words that he said that i tell a lot of people is that he he said i've never heard anything like that in my life before which was talking about a guy a pretty sonically tuned guy meaning that you know he's probably heard heard a lot and you know taking those words from him also steered me in the direction of hey man maybe maybe you know Maybe we should just keep conversating with with Justin, man, because you know, he's he's about he's about the people, man, and that's what singers, power singers, are about, or just you know, singers of indigenous backgrounds. Is uh, we we do it for the people, man. And it was easy first off that he was definitely just a good dude. You collaborated with him on record as well. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, shortly after that. I think it was the first we finally got, you know, emails back and forth with Dylan and things like this. Uh, he invited Midnight Express out to April Base, and uh, we, you know, we had the opportunity to uh, record there if we wanted to. Um, but he was working on I Come I, but I think he was just like he just released Twenty Two A Million. I think he just released that one, but then uh, he was working on stuff at the time that we were there at April base which was like our first time there we kind of didn't know what it was they kind of gave us a background of you know what it was it was kind of like a living space slash uh, creative space um but it was you know justin's you know creative spot and you know the old April base now it's you know being renovated and things like that but you know being there and being welcomed there you know that was it felt like you know we were at another powwow singers we travel you know so you know, we go some. Sometimes we we travel to other families' houses, and it just felt like we were just at you know someone else's house. But it was uh, the house was full of uh, creative people, <laughs> and it was uh, really surreal to me to be uh, spending the night and with a lot of a lot of those people that were there at the house. Obviously, this is like kind of zeitgeisty. A lot of people talk about these days, but this idea of like imposter syndrome, you know, of like feeling like, do I belong here? What am I doing here? And there must have been a sense of that. It's just based on one, the level that he's been able to tame, but also uh, how different the thing is that you're making. You know, you know, just, just even just the, the stuff that never even came out on, 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 
you know any album or anything like that like the, the you know the jam sessions that we've had um just you know him on the guitar while we're singing you know like he he was very very you know cautious about that like hey man can i just like jam out on my guitar while you guys are like singing and so i'm like yeah man yeah i guess i guess so bony bear i guess go bang on the to. drum set you know do what you <laughs> like if that you know what i mean like i there's there's no there's nothing that i've learned to say that that's wrong or that's you know that's you know wag your finger type stuff but it's like you know just he gave us a chance to be creative in our own minds too i think he kind of oh like i said he like just some of that just opened a box in my mind of you know hey man let's let's try to try to you know just you know freestyle a little bit of something something over the beat that he gives us so you know that first visit at april base we we cut the stuff that he used for we on i comma i most of the most of my singers had to be elsewhere but i did have someone come that that last sunday and he got to his vocals made the i comma i track as well so that i comma i track was you know there was plenty of times to, to fix up those vocals and everything but he they wanted to keep those ones so he wanted it raw and real. Yeah, that's fine. That was okay with me. I was, you know, just being being there and watching him create a few of those other songs that ended up on the album. It was, you know, it was awesome. It was just really, really eye-opening to me. Uh, being, you know, a premature sound nerd at the time, you know, I just was like, oh, like everything was a little bit overwhelming. But then once I had, we had the chance to go back uh, once or twice uh, just to, you know, in passing or just, you know, being at Eau Claire's, uh, there's, there's been some stuff that hasn't made the album that has just been, you know, pretty cool. So it's all been, been a, a loving relationship and they've been nothing but respectful and they've never asked us to do anything like we've always been expected to like, Hey, can you, can you do the drum like this? Or can you, can you sing like this? Or, you know, they, they're like, you know, do what you do, man. But it's, it's fucking awesome. Do what you do. And, you know, it's cool with us. <laughs> when you get those sorts of requests, I mean, is there a sense that like that people have a almost like stereotypical idea of what that yeah. should sound like? I, I, I cringe because I know the word chant is coming to describe what we're doing. That's how I know. Like, you know, that's why one of the song on the albums, is, you know, that's why we kind of led with our I wanted to lead with no chance was to just kind of start that conversation of eliminating that terminology, like reservations and things like that. They, we just got to get rid of that. Forgive me, um, why is chant problematic? So when I was growing up, I never, ever heard it referred to as chanting. So if I became a powwow singer and am a powwow singer, I've always referred to it as singing. And I've always heard people refer to it as singing. It's like other reggae almost that it, it doesn't fit into this category with what we consider singing. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 you know, might be just, you know, a regular school term for us, you know, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, we've never ever looked at it as uh chanting. We've probably joked around just to fuck around like how we are, but it's like, Hey man, you want to go chant later? Yeah. Sounds good. All right, man. See you there. Or something like that. You Iron- know, ironically. <laughs> right, but but just just to kind of put that out there like i've never referred to it as, as chanting so i think that's just the kind of how everyone should kind of start to view it as you know ask the chanter if they ever <laughs> chanted before i don't think they'll ever. 
I don't think they'll admit admit to that. In the same way that it's it seems ridiculous to call it world music, but like to be a cultural ambassador. I mean, obviously a cultural ambassador or a culture that like this country was, you know, founded on, but that a big part of this is to just say, like, I'm giving you a window into this thing, but also like, hey, here's kind of how you should think about it and how you should approach it and how yes. to be sensitive to it. Yeah, man. I'm 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 here for that. I'm patient enough to uh have those conversations. Um, you've got just, five children, so you got to have five children. Yes. Uh, not under one roof. Uh, thank, thankfully, but, but you you know, still, it's, it's a lot of patience. Yeah, I, I, you know, just especially explaining, you know, what, what I tell people like when they say, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't know that before. Or now, now that I know now, you know, it's just, I, it's always, it's okay with me. You know, I just understand how educational systems are and you know, the, you don't get that much exposure in schools for you know certain type of reason and not everyone you know kind of has that person to you know take that time and really kind of talk to them about it you know you're a good enough judge of character that you you can like tell what someone's intent is and whether or not they're being malicious yeah totally totally man that's and you know it's a part about growing up in the city man you got to know them headlights you know yeah (laughs) well on the flip side of that what uh you know, you're 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 trying to take it in in this new direction. In so far as uh, you know, I know I know the, the the album is still getting out there, but what has the reaction been like in the community? Very very minimal so far. Um, the people who I've shared it with, you know, they share it to people and stuff like that. Uh, just the way that I've I've looked at this before it released is, you know, I didn't I didn't make this for everyone. Um, therefore everyone might not latch on to it right away. Um, I did make this in, uh, solely for my family. Uh, you know, the people who have, you know, watched me grown up to be who I am, a father, you know, husband, things like that. They know who I've been over the last five years. They know that I've either on my way to, I just came from, or I am currently doing some sort of collaborative work in some sort of field. You know, they, I feel like it's the, 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 time was right to create something like this especially at the, the quarantine and everyone at home and things like that um but you know creatively um this helped me through a, a grieving process uh, i lost a few uh close uh brothers of mine of ours um and it was just a way to uh express myself uh, in an art form new to me but you know new to everyone so you know when i was going through that I knew that, you know, this wouldn't really be accepted, you know, it wouldn't be splashed everywhere. And I was okay with that because you know, I made this, you know, for myself and my own healing um, in that part of being selfish, but uh, f- for my family, you know, I did this solely for my family and uh, to show how much, how much I care about them. And, you know, just, uh, you know, I can create something, you know, something totally different, but, you know, I could I could show people that it's it's okay to 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 step out of that box and just be different and just you know create any art that your heart desires and that's that's basically what I did. And how has the reaction in the family been? They love it. They love it. Channel twelve twenty two was uh, a little bit hard for me to kind of put out there, um, just because of the the tone of voice that I was using. I usually don't sing in that voice unless uh, you know my only only my children have heard me sing in that voice before. And, um, you know, I did sing that as, you know, as if I were singing to them. That's the, the train of thought that I got into when Broder sent me that pulsating heartbeat type of, you know, 
be you're talking vulnerability vulnerability and just you know you know opening that that up that part of of you know my singing persona up i guess you could say is a little hard a little difficult but you know it, i had to really you know show myself at that point because throughout that whole process of making the album i was you know pretty vulnerable man and i was pretty hurt you know losing you know some some people who have been around my life these last 10 years an important part of my life was you know people i've taken care of you know there's, there's some hurtful things that go on so for for me to go through that process and really kind of just be vulnerable and just be artistic and in whatever way I felt, uh, that was the best way to express that and get that off my chest. But you know, the, I, I I did make it for everyone. I didn't want. I don't want to put that out there like that. But you know, I just you know, you know, marijuana death squads isn't for everyone. You know what I mean? And you know, that's 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 you know, that's the vibe I, I wanted to to put across there. If you yeah. want to get, if you don't want to get, if your ears don't want to get smacked in their mouth. Don't listen. Don't listen to this. It's not for everyone, but it's also there's this sense in which when you put something out into the world, it's not just yours anymore. Yeah, no. I, and I understood that, too. I understood that brother put that there. And, you know, he said, well, hey, now your family will have it forever. And I said, there you go. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. And that's, you know, that, that's that's far more important than it picking up steam in my eyes. You know, so I, I want to keep it, you know. Try to keep it humble as possible. You know, eventually people will will you know lock into this, and I think they'll appreciate the full project when it releases as a whole. As a whole, the, the notion of mourning through music is interesting to me, and it's something that has come up in a lot of conversations that I've had around the pandemic, the pandemic, and just you know broadly what's going on with the world right now. But I feel like I've gotten the sense from a lot of artists musicians especially that i talk to that making music during a pandemic is their way of processing all the pain in the world right now internalizing a lot having conversations with that dimension in your head you know you know you know really just coming to terms with you know especially as a young man as a young indigenous man who you know are are always constantly you know attentive to you know what's going on around them and just really kind of really trying to bear all of this you know what's going on in the world as you say you know why are we stronger men to ourselves mainly you know we're always worried about all this we got to help the women the women are stronger than we'll ever can be and and we should never never sit there and, and and you know coddle you know what i'm saying because they're strong on their own they they're they will slap us up so quick, you know, but we have to be able to, you know, as native men to slap ourselves up and really just pick ourselves up because everyone around us, whether it's men or women or children, they need a, a strong native somebody, you know, and I just, I, I just am trying to be that somebody, especially coming out of a time where you had, a chance to internalize a lot and really trying to think about yourself and where you're going, how you're going to get there. You know, all that, all that came to mind, especially as a, a leader of a drum group, you know, uh, bringing on, you know, younger, younger than you, you know, young men and learning how to manage them. 
Uh, can't be any more difficult than my eighth grade basketball team, but you know we can make it work. And you know, just just being being in the pandemic and thinking, and, and you know, just thinking about grief and why you feel this way, why are you feeling this way? You know, music was a huge part of that. Whether it was me doing what I did or just you know going back and listening to different things that I just come across. You know, just you know, just just really kind of living in that moment and just. Like you said, being vulnerable, even without making music. Looking at it abstractly, these are two like diametrically opposed ideas, right? Strength and vulnerability. But it sounds like with this project, they're very linked for you. Very much so. Very much so. Um, I knew that the space for like the the really like uh, powerful, like in your face tracks, I knew like the beat was going to be, you know, for Broder. The, the voice that I, I sing in, throughout the the project is kind of like a teaching voice um just because i knew spatially that i had to oops sorry i had to be like in a certain space while you know the strings are up here and like you know his synths are down here i needed to live somewhere in between so i had to like you know kind of harness a little bit of my voice and kind of project it in a different type of way Teaching in the sense that if you were teaching someone a song, that's the teaching voice you would someone, use. Teaching someone a song, right. So usually you'll see us, uh, you know, powwow singing and stuff like with each other, you know, kind of full blast type of thing, you know. Um, this is a little bit more drawn back, but also um, really like a helpful aid to, you know, what, what Broder's brewing in the background. So, yeah, I wanted to be conscious of that. But then at the same time, uh, I wanted to use that teaching voice just because... Uh, just usually, you know, people always just go for the full blast right away. Like that's what they have to have. I wanted to kind of draw back, but then, you know, just also let Broder do more with, with that instead of, you know, having a really hot vocal, you know what I mean? The 1222 voice is, it's softer. That's the, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a, the, you know, team soft voice as, as we call it. <laughs> Library singing. <laughs> Pretty much, but you know, in the in the sense of uh, what I was what I was thinking, you know, making that song was, you know, I was you know, singing singing my kids to to sleep or to calm them, or even when they're wide awake, you know, I would sing to them in that tone. So, um, that's that's for them to find out if they listen to this or you know if they ever ask. <laughs> <laughs> 